welcome to Non-Fungible Queens, a podcast for the queens and the in-betweens. I'm Hodel Hill. I'm K-Duck. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Non-Fungible Queens. This week we're joined by Christina. Thank you so much for joining us. We're super excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. And also, um, you go by she, her, so uh, those are your your pronouns. And um, I think it's interesting kind of the backstory you were telling us of, um, you know, how you're trying to get into the groove of that. And I think that's important because it's not something that um, even myself, I think of um, all the time. And so I think in this digital space where you don't see people face to face or, you know, even if you did, you, you still might not know. So that that's always a good practice. I think that's pretty interesting. If you want to elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, um, for me, I worked for a nonprofit organization a number of years back that did LGBTQ um, programs and services. And really that was kind of the first time that I had ever learned about pronouns. I'm a white cis woman, but I'm a lesbian woman. Um, and even, you know, being the fact that it was part of my community and part of a practice of my community, it wasn't really until I worked for that organization that I understood the importance of it. And so since then, I, I had someone describe it to me one time as one of those things that folks that don't necessarily need, quote unquote, <laughs> need to use pronouns, like all people should be using pronouns because it takes the impetus and the, um, I guess the the responsibility off of all people to like actually use them. I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. What's the best way to say this? <laughs> See, I told you, I wouldn't know what you're to, saying. But now I did. So what was the best way to say this? Um, okay. I once heard, actually, stop. Okay, here we go. So I had someone describe it to me one time, which really hit home. And it was the idea that all people should be using pronouns. And the reason being that folks that actually, you know, may not be able to have their gender identity or their gender expression acknowledged as their actual pronouns. I don't know the way I'm fucking trying to say this. Do you know what I'm trying to say? But why can't I say it? I'm tr- I'm trying to figure out the best way to say it. Like basically, like for all someone people can that... say it. So those that need, but the need to say it is what I don't want represented because that's not the right way to say yeah. that. Well, it, it's so um, it it erases like a divide at all. Like there there shouldn't be, um, you know, these people have to use their pronouns. These people don't. Everyone should, especially for the the people that aren't overtly decisive either way, uh, gender fluid, gender neutral, they don't have to feel like there's a divide. And if they choose to use, you know, they or them or the opposite of what their sex is, um, I think it's, it's so it's like a uniform, everyone, everyone is equal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it takes the impetus and the responsibility off of like one particular group, such as trans or non-binary folks to use it. Um, It puts the responsibility on all people that this should become part of our everyday language. For sure. And I think, you know, um, I see, I do see some people in this space use it and, um, but I definitely not enough. And I know I'm guilty of it as well, but I think it's interesting that sometimes even when people do have it, it's still not followed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's like a, a long time that we'll be working towards just having this become common practice. Hopefully it's not too long. 
Um, but there's even this like ongoing conversation within NFTs and crypto, which I realized that it's, it's almost like, um, like a label that folks uh, that aren't necessarily supportive of focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's, it's almost like this label of like, we are kind of people that use pronouns in our bio. Like, I don't know if you have experienced that yourselves, um, but there's been a couple of times where I've had comments to and responses to tweets that I've put out and, um, you know, allusions to the fact that they wouldn't pay attention to what I have to say because I'm that type of person that puts pronouns in my bio. Uh, so it's almost just like an attempt at um, like a, a backhanded, obviously it's not a compliment, like a backhanded kind of like swing at us. But um, yeah. for me, I, think, I think it's so important, like, sure, my gender identity matches what you might assume my pronouns should be. Um, but just because that's the case doesn't mean that I, I shouldn't use them. In fact, I should probably use them every day all the time when I'm talking about myself and I'm introducing myself. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very cool to um, hear that. I think, you know, it, it obviously starts with, you know, people like us that can say like, yeah, our, our pronouns might match, you know, the idea of what you think it could be, um, you know, us and then these type of people have to be, you know, the voices for the people that necessarily voices aren't heard at the moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So a question we usually start out with, um, on our podcast is we usually ask uh, your background and kind of how you got started in uh, the crypto NFT world. Sure. So I've only been in um, NFT since May, I guess it was like six or seven months ago now. And I actually wasn't in crypto previously. My (laughs) career has had a bit of an interesting trajectory. So I started my career working in professional sports, um, for the Toronto Raptors, an NBA organization, National Basketball League. And um, from there, so that was a very male-dominated, dominated by white cis straight men um, environment. And so from there, I went to philanthropy, which while most folks at, that work at nonprofits or at the service level um, tend to be a little bit more underrepresented folks and, and definitely a bit more of an equal representation of, uh, of women and non-binary folks, a lot of people that are actually making the donations, philanthropists and high net worth individuals, once again, white, cis, straight men. Um, and then I went into technology. I became an entrepreneur and I started my own impact data company. Um, and <laughs> once again, found myself to be in this in, in this industry that was dominated by uh, a white, cis, straight um, male presence. And so I, I came into the space, one, because entrepreneurship, I, you know, most people that are entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs follow Gary Vee. Um, he came out with Vee Friends around May, but he started to kind of onboard a lot of us that followed him before that. And I think one of the things that he did uh, just such a great job at was the onboarding process. So while I had a startup, uh, a tech startup, I consider myself like tech literate, but not technical. And so they did a really great job of step-by-step holding our hands to say, like, this is what you need to do. And this is how you set up a wallet. Um, And this is what the process of buying crypto is like to give you context of how new I was to it. And again, I'm speaking about it like it was ages ago, but this was only May of 2021. We always talk about how it really feels like forever. (laughs) I know. I know. And it feels that way. Like when I do that, it feels like it's been ages and ages, but 
yeah, the fact that I, I can even sit here and have any kind of reasonably cohesive conversation about this world is somewhat shocking to me, to be honest. Um, but I, I jumped into the space and I was so new that I live in Canada and we, you know, everywhere has different hey. access and, oh, are you Canadian as well? Yeah. No, but Hill is. Okay. See, we win. We just win. Yeah. That's it. Win what? Doesn't matter. We just win. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I'm double team now. You are, you are, you are. You're out. We win. But in, so Hill, you would know this. Um, in Canada, it's not like our, our financial institutions um, don't back nor support crypto. Yeah. We're, we kind of are, there's a bit of a monopoly over a, a few, five big financial institutions for the most part, but I was so new to crypto and I never purchased it before that I actually like called my bank and was like, Hey, yo, like I'm trying to buy crypto here. Like, I don't really know how to do it. Can you help me out? I don't see a button That's online. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, no, like you can't do that. We don't actually support that. And like, could give me no information as to how to do it. So, I, and I'm sure you experienced this yourself, Phil, it's like buying my first ever crypto was a real accomplishment because yeah. it wasn't easy. Like it wasn't an easy thing to do. Going back now and thinking about it, like it wasn't all that hard. Um, but there, you know, there's certainly challenges and, and loopholes that you have to work through. But I thought that the Gary Vee team did a really great job with that. And it, and it put me in a good position to, um, I don't know, basically one, get into VFriends, which was awesome and, and has been awesome, but two, just start to really delve in. Like he, he preached the fact that don't buy anything, including your first crypto until you've spent 50 hours in the space. Luckily, I am ADHD when I find something that really clicks like 50 hours is really nothing. Um, and I became really quite obsessed with it and just got bit by the NFT bug and then jumped all the way in. <laughs> so that again it's i say it in a way that it sounds like a hundred years ago but may 2021 is when i came here i think that's longer than both of us isn't it yeah i did i'm july like fourth yeah. of july so i'm end of july so really that's crazy <laughs> and people that like have been in it this. since <laughs> like january or february even i look at them like oh wow good job y'all Great job. Yeah. I, but I've heard so many of, um, you know, the people that I guess are considered OGs in the space uh, with a similar story with the V friends and Gary V. So I think um, I think you're definitely right. He, he, I mean, as you know, as much as people want to say whatever, he he's responsible for, you know, a lot of the early people in this space. Yeah. And I mean, he, I think the number that I heard and, and don't quote me on it, but I think the number I heard is that he onboarded 3000 new people to the space, which in everyday kind of like consumer world doesn't sound like a lot. But when you think about the number of wallets that existed at that time or active wallets um, on OpenSea, it was like around a hundred thousand. Like it wasn't a lot of people and to be responsible for one person and one organization to bring 3,000 um, new folks and new wallets into the space, many of which are still active to this day, I, I'm guessing. That's a, it's a pretty big accomplishment. I wonder if those early people, you know, minted a V friend on his recommendation, but then haven't done anything since. Like, it's just sitting in a wallet somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It'd be, it's, the data behind all of this is just so intriguing. Like I'm such a geek with that stuff and I'm always just really intrigued. I'd love to like 
dig more into it. Um, but it's just not there. It's just not accessible. But I totally agree. I, if I were to take a guess, my guess would be that there wouldn't be too many, in all honesty. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to know that data. And I think the most interesting part of, you know, Gary V onboarding people was that, you know, he did it the right way with, you know, saying how you really need to have 50 hours looking into it before you jump in. It wasn't just like, hey, meant my V friends to fill my bags. It it was really genuinely teaching people how to be in the space and in turn better themselves, better others. And so I think, you know, that's that's the difference of some people and others in, in the space, unfortunately. Yeah. I think that he did a great job with that. I mean, I think that's why a lot of people um, that follow him do follow him. I mean, for me, I, I'm very used to a male dominated um, message and discord, which definitely be friends was, there was like a great cohort of, of women in the space. Um, but for the most part, it, it was male dominated. And I think that was always a, a comfortable place for me, given exactly what I said about my career and sort of how I came up. Um, but I think the the parts that people don't talk about, it's like the, so it's the education first and foremost, and the pitch to make you actually interested in learning more about it and then so that's got to be really really clean and have people say yeah cool i understand this enough at this point in time or i understand the potential use cases enough to delve in and dedicate my time into this area and then from there knowing what people are going to uncover <laughs> basically as they research this area then still being able to like call them back to say like don't get overwhelmed this is a lot of information, of course, but these let us help you kind of navigate what are all these things that you're seeing and what are all these things that you're reading about to have it make a bit more sense. So there was like that added layer of handholding. And then there was just a really technical aspect related to um, like the wallet and securing crypto and that kind of thing. But the part that people don't really talk about is the network. Like I have built an unbelievable network just alone from from the vfriends community like four of my closest internet friends quote unquote as my wife calls them <laughs> um <laughs> she's always like go talk to your internet friends um yeah, good morning like exactly exactly four of like my closest friends in this space i i met through vfriends and we went through that process together we happen to all live in like the toronto area which is interesting in and of itself these are people i probably never would have met otherwise and yet, um, you know, we initially started as giveaway buddies. I don't know if you two experienced that, but there was a lot of giveaways. There's a ton of giveaways yes. now, but there was a lot of giveaways when I was first coming out and they were actually valid. Like they were valid giveaways. Uh, they weren't just done cute. for Twitter engagement. Like I, I was using it as a tactic to actually get early entry into projects and, and being quite successful at it. Like, the, the four of us really kind of made it a little bit of a part-time job to like enter giveaways. And then we're constantly talking about like wins that we had and opportunities that we had as a result of that. Now I'm always cautious to, to tell people about that because I just don't think, um, I don't think the the level of intention is there anymore with giveaways. I think it's a, a, a bit of an engagement strategy. And I know that there's a lot of folks out there that say they're doing 
stuff and they're not actually giving things away. So yeah, that was, that was like a tactic, but we started as friends doing that, <laughs> like tagging each other, as you know, it's very important in giveaway to tag friends and you need friends to tag. Um, and through that, we just become like really close friends. We're going to do a Christmas dinner together. And it's like, we're watching each other come up in this space and like come of age in this space. And it feels, we just feel really grateful to have had that opportunity. And end of the day, you know, he gave us the opportunity to learn more about it. Of course, we took the action. We made the choice to dive in. Um, but had it not been presented by him, I, I don't know if I would have looked at this the same way. That's awesome. That's so cool to hear that, you know, they live so close to you. And, and like you said, you might not even have ever met them uh, if this wasn't, you know, if this wasn't a thing. So that that's exactly. so awesome. Uh, I love the giveaways myself. <laughs> Hill is the giveaway it is, queen. <laughs> it is hard to filter out the noise. Yeah, I haven't. I've kind of stopped doing it a little bit. Um, but if I see something good, I'll still do it. Like if, if I see something good or somebody that I really enjoy and I follow their content or, or I happen to know them, like I like supporting people's stuff as well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely have cooled off on the giveaways. So have you done <laughs> any giveaways yourself? I only did the, I've done one of them. Um, so I actually did one recently. I was fortunate to win like via their discord. Um, I was fortunate to win a couple of giveaways actually through the flower girls NFT. And I saw those. 13. The art was really cool on those. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was very lucky to be put on, um, Barbara very early in my NFT journey. And like, I don't know if you've seen her work aside from flower girls, but it just has this really dope, whimsical, almost like, um, I don't know why, it always reminds me of the circus, and but like a, a vintage kind of take on the circus. It's just all very surreal and very cool um, and just really intricate and beautiful work. So I had known about her and I had purchased one of her pieces previously. What's um, her name? I guess a couple of her pieces. If you know pieces. it, let's shout her out. It's Barbara, is, but I can send it to you too so that you can i don't know if you do show notes but um let me just yeah. check here and you can include it because she is just an incredible artist and it's barvara la yeah 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 and i know i'm butchering <laughs> the pronunciation of her name and for that i apologize um but yeah she's just an incredible artist and I really just loved and respected um, what she was doing and her vibe because she was just very, it, it just felt like her values were in the right place. Um, she put me on to a lot of folks that were underrepresented in the space um, that were trying to do great things. And it ended up being something that she integrated really well into Flower Girls NFT, which was the big component of, um, I think it was 20% is to specifically children's charities and then 5% of the both the um, primary mint as well as all secondary sales would be towards youth and children in the space and purchasing their NFTs. So similar to what World of Women does, I guess it does and did, um, they purchase from women NFT artists. She's purchasing and using 5% of all ongoing um, profits, primary and secondary sales to children, artists in the space. So she put me on to a number of them as well. And I just think, yeah, I think what she's doing is beautiful. So I did a giveaway 
with one of the giveaways that I won through um, through that project. Oh, that's awesome. Those are the wholesome giveaways that the space needs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just, I just, uh, quite frankly, it was selfish on my part. I felt guilty that I had won more than one giveaway and I just didn't feel right about it. So um, I decided to give one of them away and it was, uh, it was like such a beautiful one. And I was just really excited that someone was going to be able to get it. So um, I posted that. That was probably last week or something. I I had this really weird moment where I made a, a real big blunder being it was my first NFT giveaway. I was going back and forth with um, with one of the women who was saying sort of these beautiful things. And then, you know, in the world of emojis, I think one of my sign offs to her was just like a bunch of flower emojis, i.e., you know, flower girls NFT. And she wrote back and responded or commented with like, you know, six or five lines of those same flowers to which I responded, um, not realizing the context of the conversation I responded with, you win. Oh, no. Meaning it about her comments versus my comment, not realizing, obviously, she took it, which I don't blame her whatsoever. She took it as she won the giveaway. Um, in that moment, I hadn't drawn a giveaway like it and I'm, I was so cautious and worried about being authentic in this giveaway, being that it was my first one. And I see the problems with other ones in the space. I was like, oh my gosh, no. And I had to tell her and she had said, you know, she had cried with joy already a couple of times. I just felt awful having to give her this news. And then I'll, I guess like serendipitously, <laughs> I the first person that I drew for the giveaway, I had a couple of things that folks needed to do in order to enter they hadn't completed all of those things. And so the second person that I drew actually ended up being this woman who I had at first, wow. at first interaction with her made her think she won. And then she actually did win. So it was kind of beautiful, kind of lovely that it worked out well. And it turned out that it was her first ever NFT. So I kind of also got to onboard her as well. It was really fun. That's insane. What a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> I know. Like, the universe works in mysterious For her, ways. mostly. Like, I, you know, I just felt awful for her because she was just so excited. And I, I, it, I, it made more sense to me also knowing afterwards, which I didn't know at the time, but knowing afterwards that she, it was her first ever NFT. So, like, I, you know, we all yeah. remember that. We remember winning our first giveaway, but like purchasing your first NFT or getting your first NFT, like, it, it there's just like, no feeling like it so it all makes sense why she had sort of the emotional reaction that she did uh which made me feel worse at first but then better because she won still and it's great it all worked out yeah that's funny how you know life has a way of working out that's that's awesome though that um that was her first nft congrats to her i hope you're listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll be sure to send this to her and recognize my my own um blunder within it so speaking of, um, you know, onboarding people, that was her first NFT. What was yours? Was it Friends? Yes, it was. My first ever NFT was my Tenacious Termite Friend, which I'm a little bit obsessed with. Okay. So then what, what was your second after you ventured outside of, you know, Gary V and Friends? My second, well, I'll admit that my second was also a <laughs> Friend. So I, <laughs> yeah. Um, so at the time that I was doing all this, my poor wife having to deal with me, like I, she's a saint. I am absolutely insane. So I was like, listen, 
I'm going to create a business case as to why I think this is a good investment and why we need to make this like our first ever investment. Um, <laughs> so I did, I made the business case and the business case was that not only was this an NFT and as we know it, like a, a digital representation of a drawing that Gary Vee did, but also it was going to act as um, a utility in that it provided you with access to VCon or his first ever conference. Knowing what I know about Gary, I would know that, and, and knowing the, the conference focus and knowing what these things cost, um, I really just like added it up. And I said, if the conference is like a $1,500 conference, which many of them are, um, then if we get the opportunity to get these and then potentially like rent out access to somebody else, if I go and then we've got two, so we can rent out access. It's really kind of like paying for itself is really the way that I justified it. <laughs> so that's the way I was able to convince her to do it. Um, and it worked out, it worked out really well. And they haven't yet figured out how we'll be able to rent them out yet to give access to folks if we're not going to be using all of them. But I think it's coming. I've got faith. For that's sure. a wild yeah, thought to think about how how much that's going to happen, uh, you know, in the future of this space. If you think about, you know, the possibilities oh, yeah. with that, like that, that's a definitely um, it would be a, a good niche to tap in. Yeah, I think it'll happen. I mean, obviously, like all of this stuff is possible by way of the smart contracts associated with them on the back end. And I think that, you know, that to me is just like the beauty of blockchain in general. Um, and this idea of ownership and provenance and, and sovereignty um, over things that we just haven't ever had previously. It's really exciting to think about so many of those use cases and like, I tend to think that renting out your NFTs, whether that's for like access to a conference or renting it because, um, you know, you own a rare world of women. And that's something that either someone wants to put on a billboard or someone wants to put in a film or somebody wants to put in a, a story or a comic book, whatever it may be. I think we're just starting to see like the real the real use cases in terms of IP and what that looks like. And, and the fact that at the end of the day, what's really unique about all this is the fact that you're buying it, but you own that and you own the IP associated with that in many instances. So it's super cool to think about where that could go. I was noticing your profile picture is world of women, but maybe a derivative. Yes. Um, I made that a derivative. So, um, yeah, my world of women, like, I love her, you know, like I say, like, I fuck with her, like, she's dope. She's really, really cool. Um, and I put her over like one of my other NFTs, but like in color, like, you know, she doesn't represent me and like her color is not of a white woman. And I just felt sort of weird in all honesty, like rocking a PSP that was not a, a, a white woman when I am one. And so I just basically made her like grayed out. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of like on the search. I don't know. I love her. I love her very much. I just never want, because I only use a PSP, I don't use my own individual picture while I'm doxxed. Um, I'm not anonymous, but I just always want to make sure that I'm 
never seen of like portraying myself as something and someone I'm not. Perfect sense to me because like I have a zunk, which are sort of doing well right now, mm-hmm. but doesn't represent yeah. me and who I am. So I don't use it as a profile pic, but I, I don't have my like forever profile picture yet. I haven't found, I know. you know, the pig is pretty close. I feel like, yeah, I, I, the, the closest one I've seen is a boss beauty um, that I feel like there's a couple of, of this one particular boss beauty that's got like reddish kind of long wavy hair and like just rocking a leather coat, like a little bit of badass, but a little bit put together and CEO. Like I've, I've seen her around, but she's pretty expensive. <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't jumped in, um, but I, I agree. I, and I think there's going to be some pretty cool opportunities based on what I've been hearing from folks. Like I know um, one woman in particular, Mech or MacGyver, um, is how she goes by on online. She's been working on a project in the background that like has to do with her own individual likeness. And we saw that with Wahid um, with his project, All Smiles. And so you, you see like the trend moving towards that. Of course, at this moment in time, it happens to be the likeness of the individual that's running the project. But I tend to think like even we're seeing it a little bit with the Genies project, like there is a lot of capacity there and capability in this entire world to just build uh, your own PFP that actually resembles you and in, in your likeness and, and purchase that, like have the provenance associated with it, do what you want with it. So I think there's like really cool use cases there, but haven't quite figured out you know, there there isn't quite one quite um there isn't one project that's really figured it out yet. There will be one perfect project for everybody, right? That's there, there will, will be, be. okay. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> I was just gonna say I, I like along those lines I talked to a woman today um who's based in Malaysia and she is working on like the first ever quote unquote Asian PFP and Asian woman PFP and she was talking about this fact that you know asian <laughs> quotations asian is acknowledged in some um pfp projects currently as like an attribute or a trait or a characteristics but she was like you know to say that is almost like it's just not honoring asian culture which is so diverse like she's like you've got malaysia you've got china you've got um vietnam like you've got all of these different places japan um, and so Asian does not look like one thing, even though right now the way that we see it represented um, does kind of look like that. So and no shade at any of those other projects. It's just to say, like, there's opportunities for expansion off of these things so that people can actually buy a PFP that looks like and resembles them and they can actually see themselves in it. It's really cool. Yeah, I think that is really cool, too. I think, you know, if if that's what people want, that's like however they want to to build theirs i think they should and that's awesome um my question is is do you feel obligated to have a profile picture with female attributes or you know women womanly to display so people know that you're a woman like do you feel that need being in this space no i don't i don't feel obligated by any means i think just who I am I mean we talked about this earlier like I put my my pronouns in this space I think I want to make sure that whatever I'm saying and you know whatever message I'm trying to put out there I want to represent myself and 
myself just happens to be um, like a white cis woman that is a lesbian and neurodiverse. And I think that I, I always want my PFP and the brand, if you know, I, I kind of hate, hate saying that, but it's just reality at the end of the day. It's the brand that I'm trying to create um, and that I'm building. I'm building it off of my authentic identity and my authentic story. So to me, it's not, I don't feel an obligation, but I, I wouldn't feel comfortable any other way. Like I want to make sure that it's clear that the voice that is putting out the messages of diversity and inclusion and putting out the messages of a focus on mental health. Like I want them to be attributed to me as a strong woman and a woman's voice in this space. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's so true. That's, um, you know, maybe not a point that everyone always thinks about. I know that, um, you know, I, I didn't think of it as that way when I was um, asking, it. I was, I was thinking of it, you know, more as so, you need to help people identify you better. But I think that's definitely a unique way is to really take ownership of yourself. And that's kind of what this space is all about is artists take ownership of their art. Everyone's taking ownership of themselves. And it's actually really cool if you think about it. Yeah. And it's something that it's taken me a long time to get there, to be really comfortable with like my authentic self and being vulnerable and open and, and consistently talking about and sharing my story and a, sort of all the bits and pieces of it. But it's something that when I got to this space, it was just really clear that that's what I, I wanted to make sure that I was doing from the get go. So that I, I always talk to folks about, I just think it's really important. And it's going to be good for anyone's like continuity in the space and to be able to continue to stay here and operate at this level of you know, just consistent change and consistent change and innovation in this particular area. I think it's just going to benefit everyone so much if they are their authentic selves. Like you can't, faking it is too difficult. You know what I mean? Like trying to put something on is so much more hard than just being yourself and, and owning that. Um, I get that that's an individual journey that everyone has to take. And I feel fortunate that my journey as an individual, like I've done the growth before getting here. And, you know, that's not a, I stop now. <laughs> like it's, I will continue to grow, but I do feel grateful for the work that I've done up until this point that I can enter this space and not be afraid to be authentically me. Yeah. That's awesome. Props to you to, to hear that. That's, you know, that's like you said, you've done the work. Um, now yeah. you kind of get to enjoy it. And that's, that's the thing I was I was thinking of when I was listening to you say that is I, I don't want to fake it either because the it's not fun. And the best part of this space for me is having fun and mm -hmm. making new friends and stuff. And, you know, it's it's not fun when you have to try to be someone that you're not. So, yeah, I mean, why not just. It's so hard. It's so hard. And I think for years, like. I've never really been all about social media. And I think for years, I, I, I tried, like, because I see the value in building a brand, and, and but more importantly, building a community because you build a brand. And I think, I you know, I was just always trying to convince myself, like, I need to do this more. I need to be on Instagram more. And I need to be on LinkedIn more. And I need to be doing this. And that's not to say that those things aren't important but I think just the way that I've learned that my brain operates like it was almost sort of like my brain was saying like 
don't do those things because that's not like a healthy position for you to be in. Like to, to not be operating in a way that's authentically me was never going to lead to success. Um, it was only going to lead to like insecurities and challenges with like maintaining this persona and all like all the bits and pieces that I think now I recognize are like superpowers and what make me unique in this space and what make me have the ability to add a unique um, perspective on everything that's going on is simply just because like I'm I, I'm just being me and I don't have to work at being me thankfully like it comes naturally now but it it's a testament kind of to to why I've I've fought so hard against like really delving into social media previously. Now I understand why my body and my mind were kind of like, yeah, I don't really do that. <laughs> there was always kind of this in, invisible barrier keeping me from jumping in and I never understood what it was. And now that I have jumped in head first and, you know, despite receiving negative comments on things that I'm posting or things that I'm talking about like I'm it doesn't hurt like it's not I don't take it personally I don't take it emotionally but I I wouldn't have been in that same position had I tried to do this even a couple of years ago and I, and I tried to do it on the platforms um, that we currently have that don't really encourage this kind of living authentically authentically you kind of communication if that makes sense. So is that how Diversity Darla came about? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, tell us all about it. So for me, so I was fortunate enough to get into Cool Cats relatively early, which was great. Um, and, and I feel blessed because of it. We've seen it a lot with, particularly with one PFT project, which is Board Apes. Um, and sitting back and just kind of watching this idea of the fact that we own these uh, these NFTs and we own the IP associated with each individual character. Um, I was just kind of watching what people were doing with that in the Board Ape community. We haven't seen it too much in other communities so far. And I think a lot of the people that are doing it with their Board Apes, um, whether that's for Becky, whether that's Vicky, um, Josh Ong, all of those people that are, are influencers in this space, they're, they're building brands around these NFTs. They're building characters around these NFTs. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have a bit of experience in sort of like brand building for personalities in, in my previous world and previous career experience. So when I started coming out and talking about diversity and inclusion, um, I was just realizing that the response to not by everyone, but I was definitely receiving some pretty like vitriol responses, um, which only really further established my point that diversity and inclusion is a real issue in this space. But just getting a lot of negative comments about the things that I was saying, even though my approach has been very clear about diversity and inclusion, which is, you know, I look at it holistically. I myself have the lived experience of, of being a lesbian woman that's neurodiverse. And so, yeah, check, check. I've got those elements of diversity and the lived experience that goes with it. But I'm also very clear about acknowledging my own privilege as a white cis woman and realizing that like that privilege provides me with opportunities to 
open the doors for other underrepresented communities and other underrepresented people that wouldn't otherwise be opened um, or may otherwise not be open. So I think that I've just been like really intentional about that. And so when I kind of started exploring this idea of diversity, Darla, it was really just based on the thesis that if I say something, which is really just like, I focus on one-on-one of diversity and inclusion. I don't really try to go too, too deep because the idea is that I simply want to educate people or I want to position things in a way that perhaps they haven't thought about it before. Um, so if I go out there and I say that with my PFP and, and my brand and the way I talk and the fact that I've got pronouns, like people think that all of these things are labels, right? That they, they attribute to you. Um, and so my thesis was that if I'm saying something versus if diversity Darla is saying that exact same thing, how would people respond differently? And would they respond differently? Um, would it allow for my intention of like this continuous dialogue to be created off of like these little educational pointers that I put out there? Or, you know, would people not respond and would they not want to have dialogue? So basically I just started experimenting um, and I you know, put something together, together on Canva. And I've just been doing like this, a very similar template that I put out, you know, every couple of days um, around the same time and just experiment with the, this idea of how do people respond to Diversity Darla saying something about inclusion. And my belief is that I think there's a big opportunity to open doors for these conversations by using a PFP and using a character versus having an individual behind it. Because I, I tend to think that people will be more open to responding to to her, particularly because she's a cool cat, because they've got a really open and relatively like, from what I've experienced, like safe environment going on there. Um, and so I think people will respond to her better than they'll respond to me. And I think I might be able to reach more people with her to be determined. <laughs> we haven't sorted that out yet still experimenting but I think there's a lot of opportunities of like what we could do um with her and, and creating a brand around her and, and what does that look like for educating people in this space that's awesome I love yeah them. I love the tips <laughs> it's such a, a good idea and it is very real um like you named so many uh different characters or people in this space um you know they are building brands off of it and you know, a while ago, um, I had someone tell me, they're like, yeah, well, uh, no matter how much, how much I can get for my ape, I'm never going to sell it because I'm going to build my brand around it and it, it's going to be me. So it, they're like, the floor can go up or mm -hmm. down, but you know, this, this ape will be mine. So I, that's so true. Yeah. And, and I would assume like folks like Ford Becky are doing the same thing, right? Like it's, you I mean maybe there's there's a value prop down the road that is like you know you're selling you're you're actually creating more value for you to potentially sell this board ape down the road the way that you would be creating value with like a startup and selling that like you know we will I suspect one day see like the first exit of a really big brand um, and somebody come in and buy the brand maybe it's buying for Becky or maybe it's buying diversity Darla. And all of a sudden, like a production house comes in and they buy the rights to this. In this case, that's just buying the NFT 
But if I can create a brand around it, the cost associated with that and for somebody to actually purchase that NFT becomes exponentially greater the more value and the more community that I build around her and, and like the greater lore and storytelling that I do with her. Like that will be something that we discuss uh, probably not in the far too distant future. For how, sure. how do you feel about the news um, lately with Nike, you know, uh, um, acquiring the artifact? Yeah. The- artifact. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's incredibly smart for Nike. <laughs> I think, um, you know, seeing, always it's the nike adidas comparison and i and i think people were really kind of looking at like what are those two big brands and two big players um going to do in web3 and and what you know what's the signaling that we get from the moves that they make very early within it um you know adidas and adidas originals aligned with board ape yacht club and they aligned with crypto punks um and, and they're both doing this kind of in very different ways um but Nike, their first sort of alignment in this space was um, kind of almost like space adjacent by way of like Roblox. And a lot of people just talked about the fact that, you know, Adidas went hard into Web3, whereas Nike, their first step in was really this like weird sort of like Web2, Web3 adjacent um, brand. And, And that kind of potentially said something or signaled something about which way the brands were going and and what did that look like. So I think what they just did with Artifact and the purchase of that is they really solidified a strong spot and strong opportunity for themselves. All companies are going to have to execute against this in order for it to mean anything. But based on what I've heard um, from the Artifact team, not personally, but via the press release, um, and the way that it looks like they're structuring it is that they're staying, like it's not a purchase um, by which the founders aren't staying. They're staying for at least some period of time. And they've been doing really cool things. Like they've been doing really forward thinking, whether that's in the wearable space, um, in the brand partnership space with, you know, Jeff Staples or Felocious or, you know, they, they've just done a really great job in showing how things could be done differently. And I think it was a great move on behalf of Nike to, really kind of, like when you buy a company you're buying their community you have to work to keep their community that's not a given um but you're buying access to to folks that are kind of on the on the cutting edge and most people in the artifact community because of the high price point are like a lot of crypto ogs and a lot of nft ogs so that's a pretty valuable community to have access to um by way of the purchase so i think it was pretty brilliant for sure. I yeah. So what you what I heard from there is that even a billion dollar company like Nike can get FOMO when their competitors doing something <laughs> that they're not. I mean, yeah, I I doubt that they would say that it's FOMO. <clears throat> um I think as is always the case with, you know, you see something done really well, if if it's the best practice you want to if the best practice pays off and and you see you know, the way that a a traditional business would, I don't know, validate the business case for anything. You you look at data, you look at the numbers, you look at all the different points of view behind what are the business's objectives and like, did this one particular partnership or this one particular move allow them to basically hit their objectives? My suspicion is that Nike looked at what everyone is doing in the space, not just Adidas. 
um, and said, like, we need to do something big here. And there's value in doing something big. And I think that that value is going to become much clearer over really like the next six months to a year. Um, obviously, much further than that into the future. But it's a great thing for all of us to be here at a time that big brands are coming in because it gives social proof and social proof will lend to money and resources being invested, which will lend to more people getting into the space. That's not to say that it's not problematic <laughs> um, that, you know, web two companies are coming into web three, but it is just a conversation to have about, okay, well, if that's the case, then what do we need to learn from web two? What do all of us, um, need to learn what's the understanding that we need to have so that we don't repeat many of the mistakes or the inequities or injustices that came with um, a Web2 environment. How do we make sure that as best as we can, we make sure that those things don't happen here? Yeah, how can we be like, we don't do that here. We don't assume gender. We don't, you know, uh, objectify women. No. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's hard for sure. I think the reason that many of us are here is that we have hope um, for those things. Like, I think many of the people that I talk to and many of the communities that I um, engage with, obviously, they support, you know, this this conversation of diversity and inclusion and forwarding it and, and making sure that it gets um, the attention that it deserves. We have hope that things can be different than what a lot of us either saw or directly experienced in the way of um, some of those injustices in, in previous, I don't know, in, in web two, just in general. So we've got hope that it can be different. We've, I feel grateful that I'm here in this moment that I, I can actually perhaps be a contributing member to this community of people that makes sure or ensures or does whatever they possibly can to make things different. Um, that's, more fun to me than when I entered web two, when I started my career, like feeling like the system had been set. Those, those inequities and discriminations I've been there for a very long time and were built systematically into um, that, that industry, those industries in that environment, it became glaringly apparent that it would be pretty impossible um, to change those on, on a greater scale. Whereas here, that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of hope for what we can do and what we can accomplish in a short period of time. I really like that mindset. It's um, it's like, so we know what happened last time, but we're, we're not going to close it off. We'll we'll give you a chance if if you look at ABC, and I think um, that's an awesome mindset. It's I could I could take note of that. That's definitely um, you know, something to think about is just because something went one way before, should you close it off for the rest of time? I don't know. Yeah. And, and like, by no means do I, <laughs> by no means do I have any control of like who comes into the space and how they navigate it. Um, I'm certainly not naive enough to think that. But it's worth but a look to what what's going to happen. I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I can only control what I can control. I can only control the way that I move around this space and then I can be intentional about the other things that I talk about to educate folks, um, to make people aware of some of these things and to open doors for people that may not otherwise have had those doors open. That's 
you know, the responsibility that I believe I have in this space and that I believe is actually um, attainable. The hope is that as these big brands come into this space, they see what's happening here that's very different. And what's different is that, you know, we we're, we keep talking about, I think Alexis Ohanian said it, or Ohanian, I'm not sure how you say that, but he um, he was talking about a recent investment in a, a company called Island, um, islands.xyz, I believe it is, is the, is the URL. And their platform is essentially like an enablement tool for folks to build communities. Exactly how I'm not entirely sure. Um, I haven't dug into it that much, but he, he talked about the fact that like Web3 is really creating this like community economy. This idea that um, in order to, in order for brands to be the most successful, in order for you to gain any sort of market share, like you really have to build community around that. And we all know in this conversation that like you can easily co-opt the term community and have it just simply mean fans or a group of people. Like it's just a different word for that. But where I see the benefit and where I see like a lot of potential for community is this idea that to me, community means safety and it means belonging for all people. And so if we're able to like truly create community around that and with that definition in mind, um, then we can set things up for something very different, knowing that this can be and, and probably will be seen, this entire Web3 movement will be seen as like an economy, an entirely new way of doing business and gaining revenue and, and financial freedom for so many of us. Whereas I really look at Web2 like that, if we call this community economy, like that would be, in my opinion, like competition economy. Um, there wasn't a lot of room for collaboration. There was a lot of, you know, keep your ideas close. Um, not like partnership existed in a very specific framework and, and business is done in a very specific way. And, and it doesn't necessarily promote exactly what I just defined as community. So the hope is that this time it'll just be different this time around. Yeah, that's very cool, man. Our guests just keep getting cooler and cooler every week. Um, it, I mean, all the things you said, it, it's, you know, exactly why we wanted to start the podcast. Um, we just wanted to, you know, spread the, spread the, the knowledge, give people, you know, something to relate to. And um, yeah, that's just my hope for the space as well. So it's all very exciting um, seeing how fast this space is developing. It's crazy. Like, it's just, until you're in it, it's like hard to really understand. And I'm sure um, all of our significant others or close family <laughs> are struggling to understand like what's happened to us, <laughs> depending on how long you've been in this space. Like, my wife gets it now. Um, I don't think she like truly gets it, but like she, I'm, I'm trying to do things to be like, no, this is like what happens. But, you know, she loves poking fun at me and she'll wake up in the morning and be like, GM, GM, <laughs> like totally passive aggressively. Um, but like that, it's like that kind of stuff, right? Like we're existing in this digital world. We've, so many of us have moved away from any in-person or in-office type of work environment. And I've heard it described before, like it's no different 
than when most people walk into the office. They are walking through the sea of cubicles and are seeing folks on their way and grabbing the coffee in the morning. And they're saying like, hey, what's up? Good morning. How was your day? Or how was your weekend? Or what did you do? I was always that kind of person in the first place, like when I was in office. So it's not surprising to me that I would want to be doing that here because it just it further solidifies connection. It further solidifies like that community that we were talking about. And it's I don't know, it's cheesy, but it's so fun. I love it. Yeah. And it's since it is, you know, online and not face to face, you really have to be more intentional. And and I think that's that's what it is as well. And and I love to see it too. You know, how can you not have a good morning when you you know, wake up and see all that. Yeah. And then like, I don't know, I spend time like getting back to people and when they say it back to me, you know, like just sharing, I don't know, whatever, like I, I'm very intentional about it. So like every morning at around the same time, I put out like a tweet that like a GM tweet um, that is either like, I don't know, something that I need to hear myself, like which it was today, um, to like something I wish that I had heard <laughs> another time, like a sense of encouragement um, or just like a perspective that I have of something that's going on in the space. And yeah, I'm, I'm super intentional about it, but I'm just seeing how people respond to it and it, it seems to be positive. So like, why wouldn't I keep doing that? And I say it to like, literally anyone who asks like everything I, I tweet about in those in those um in those morning tweets is like all stuff I need to personally hear. I'm just sort of doing it out <laughs> I'm outwardly journey. It's your way of saying good morning to yourself. It's good morning to myself. How it's being intentional about my day and mindful and present in the moment. How are you going to attack today? How are you going to be? What are the things you want to accomplish? That's exactly right. So I think this is a really good segue um, into, I know, a topic um, that that you're very passionate about, mental health. Um, how mm-hmm. how do you sort of balance, um, you know, in real life, in crypto NFT life? Um, you know, this is something that we like to talk about because it's, it's very relevant and it's very real. And um, I know myself personally, I'm, I'll never have it figured out. Um, it's, it's a constant work, but um, it's always good to hear everyone else's tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. No, I love that you said that because I, I say the exact same thing. Like when people are like, how are you managing? I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing a good job balancing. I'm doing a lot of things, um, but not being like overly focused or like operating at, at what I know is like my greatest level of, of productivity or efficiency. Um, and I struggle. Like I have, being that I have ADHD, it's like a, a blessing and a curse. A blessing in that, like, I, I think that Web3 is set up for just this constant shift and change, at least for the foreseeable future. There's going to be a lot of movement. There's going to be a lot of change. There's going to be a real need for um, not only resiliency, but like flexibility. And I think that folks with ADHD, we've had to do that our whole lives. Like we, (laughs) 
it's just in the nature of what has allowed us to travel through um, a world that's not necessarily set up for folks that are neurodiverse. So uh, me being a 38-year-old, I've developed knowingly or not knowingly, I've developed tips and tricks of how I need to navigate certain spaces um, for success. So I think in one way, it's like we're we're set up really well for that. Um, I've lost my train of thought. I don't remember what the question was. Neurodiverse, mental health, how am I balancing? Got it. So <laughs> exactly, so, exact. I'm That's back. a great I'm answer. Back. <laughs> you can keep that in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there's your ADHD example. So yes, how am I balancing? I'm not. I'm working really hard at it, um, but I'm 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 struggling because it's my mind is easily taken to all the potentials in this space. My mind easily goes um, to areas where I'm really, really hyper-focused and I'm struggling to be present in other aspects of my life. I was talking with a group of friends um, on a Twitter space the other day and we were all sort of talking about how we had, you know, in some pieces, like hundreds of, of text messages that were just like unread. And I'm, totally that like I have become less productive in other areas of my life because my brain seems to have just hit this maximum capacity of like communication platforms and it's like I can do Twitter both like tweeting and spaces and DMs and the DM groups and I can kind of although I'm moving a little bit further away from like discord because it's overwhelming and then um you know, anything else that comes sort of around it, but like that's kind of, it's max. And so all my other communication channels, oh, Telegram, also Telegram. All my other communication channels, text being one of them, email, it's like my brain just doesn't have the capacity to like keep up with those things. And so I'm, I'm working on it every day. I'm doing my absolute best, um, but in a lot of ways in terms of eating healthy, or working out the way I should, or sleeping the way I should, all the things I know that work for my mental health, I have not been very good at doing them, I will be honest. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to uh, chat with us. I know um, even myself, I mean, it's my podcast, and and sometimes I'm like, gosh, why did I agree to do this? Like, (laughs) and and I mean that in the best way possible, but it's also just real. Like, it's like, I, yeah. I'm not going to try to hide it that I, I still have, um, a nine to five. So after, you know, working all day, yeah. sometimes the last yeah. thing I want to do is, you know, come talk, but I know deep down I want to, it's just in, in that moment. So that's what kind of drive, Hard. that's what kind of drives me. But, um, it, it's so yeah. true. I mean, I relate to everything you said. It's like, I don't want to focus at the nine to five because I just want to be doing this. Um, it, it's, mm-hmm. it is just so consuming that it can be overwhelming and it, you can easily start neglecting things that, that matter or just straight up neglecting your mental health. So I know that um, mm-hmm. it's definitely you need to take the time to do what you need to do, um, whatever that is. If it's dedicating one night where you're not going to be on Discord, you know, the whole night. That phone, Don't be crazy. I know. Kayla, can you imagine? <laughs> Difficult. I mean, I know today I like, I was sort of at like a breaking point yesterday. And today I was like, okay, you can send out your GM tweet 
but you can't respond to all the comments. I still just done set it, boundaries for yourself. I didn't respond. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm, I, I still did it, but so I'm not being very good at following my own boundaries, but like, yeah, doing stuff like that. And I haven't spent a lot of time on Twitter today. Um, I haven't been in any spaces today, which I can easily spend, you know, hours in every single day. But yeah, I sort of hit this breaking point yesterday where I was like not in a good space. And it's almost like um, it's almost like a little narcissistic to think that like we can't step away from these things and like things will be okay. Like you know, I, I couldn't possibly, you know, leave my followers out for one single day. It's like, fuck, do you notice when people are gone? Like I know. There's too much going on. Like I might notice when someone's gone for like a consistent period of time, like a few days or a week, but like, don't be so caught up in yourself to think like people are going to miss you, you know? And that's not to be rude. It's just real talk. Like there's a lot of shit going on in this space. And if you don't miss people when they're gone for the day, why the fuck would someone miss you? And it's cool. They would rather you take care of yourself anyway. So like, yeah, I think that's me yeah, talking to and, me and right I know now. my thing is, is like, it's the disappointment. Like I can hardly, I cannot stand to tell people no or disappoint them. So I, I'm like, if I need yeah. to move something or cancel something, I'm like internally freaking out. But then I'm like, you know, I'm like freaking out over this and they, it doesn't even matter to them. Like they're not going to care. They're not, they're not mad. No. Like it's, yeah. And you're stressing yeah, for hours. Exactly. And it, it's, it's real, man. <laughs> Canadian on the internet. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. A great way, a great way to work through that. Get oh gosh. Children, you have to disappoint them all the time. So two things with my daughter, who's two. So I disappoint her all the time. So I'm getting really good at disappointing people, and she's just the cutest fucking little thing. And she just looks at you, and it, you you could say one thing that's like so insignificant to you. But like you blow up her world by being like, no, you can't hold that knife. You know, like she wants to hold the knife and you're like, no, you can't hold the knife. And then she loses her mind and she's really sad. Like she's really upset and you really hit her deep. But you have to keep doing it. You have to keep disappointing her. So that's really no, good. I, I can't work on disappointment. The other mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Not, not, right? hard. not made hard, for that. The more you do it, the more you do it, the better you become. And also, if you're lucky enough to be raising a child with a partner, also you want to do that for your partner. Because like, I never want my wife to be the only person saying no and disappointing. So we try to like, even it out. Like if I'm the one, I'm the one that's been saying no for like, you know, let's be real, like, you know, the multiple points in the day that you've had to say no already, and it's the evening like we step in for each other and like start saying no because you want to support each other so that's like having backup is important having backup what whatever that backup looks like if it's fortunate enough to be like a great companion or partner or whatever it is great but backup for yourself it helps you kind of stay true to that like um disappointment the second thing i will say is made me really good at getting rejected so I like to be liked. I know this about myself. I also like validation. I know that about myself as well. So um, she gives me none of those things. She does not care about my feelings. <laughs> she will say, mommy, go away. Today she told me, mommy, go away. Go back to work. 
which is like my nightmare that my kid just sees me as like only working all the time and she doesn't care. And my the other day my wife was like, Do you love mommy? And she went, No. And I know she loves me. And I know she doesn't mean any of these things, but it hurts my little heart. I'm gonna be honest. I don't like being rejected and she rejects rejects me every single day multiple times a day. So there's my tidbit. Parenting one oh one They definitely toughen you up. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's mine's yeah. six. Every day she breaks me just Yeah, mine's a six. Bit. So you have many more years of sass ahead of you. Don't worry about that. I know, I know. And she's been sassy like day yeah. one sass. The girl she yeah, she's just supreme sass all day, every day. Just looks at you like, I don't give a fuck. I'm I'm out here. I'm doing this, mom. I'm Carrie Say. And just pushing buttons, which I love. Because it means she's a strong individual. I just wish she wasn't like all yeah. that strong with me. You know? <laughs> just do it. Save it for everyone. Next time, mine ask me for something. I'm going to tell her that K Duck said no. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. She wants a world of women. She does want a world of women. <laughs> I, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't? You guys are going to get me in trouble if my fiance is listening to this, which I know she will multiple times. Um, She's going to be bugging me about kids now. <laughs> so we we can know more and have Queen's parenting tips. <laughs> Listen, anytime you want, if you want me to come on next and just do a full episode on being a mom and my parenting tips, I don't know if you want to hear <laughs> No, it sounds quick. like she's lucky to have you. It'd be controversial. Just saying, just saying. I've actually, I'll send it to you just for shits and giggles so that you have it on on hand when your fiance does start asking you. My wife and I, we did a full podcast um, with friends of ours on like our motherhood journey. It's pretty. Oh, it's pretty no, ridiculous. for real. I'm going to listen to that. And I'll, I'm sure she'd love to, too. Yeah, I'll oh, send yeah. you. So uh, usually the last thing we like to ask is some advice you'd have for someone. Um, I know you recently onboarded someone. Uh, you got the pleasure of doing that. So it might be some things you told them. Um, what would you tell people if they approach you and say like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about joining the space? Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I approach it the way that I was taught really, which is, you know, don't buy a single thing until you put in a ton and you know 50 hours seems a bit prescriptive I even I did way more than that it's just like whatever level you have as an individual of like feeling like you have a bit of an understanding of what's going on um like don't move in the space until you do that I think along those lines as well like that process will and can be but most likely will be overwhelming because there's so much going on because it's changing so quickly. Uh, it's just like really fast. And there's a lot of terminology. There's a, folks speak with a lot of assumed, assumed knowledge and language. And so you can easily feel like if you come into the space, like you are too late or, um, you know, too much has been done or you don't know enough or, you know, it's it's just very, it seems like a steep hill to climb. And I, and I just like to tell people that like, of course, like those feelings are valid and it does feel that way. But to put it into context, like if, if you're in the space right now and you know anything whatsoever about NFTs, um, you know more than 
like 99% of the world. If we look at like the actual number of active wallets in the space, it's, I don't know the latest off the top of my head, but it's like under 500,000 and compare that to the seven point, I don't know, the last count, whatever, eight or two, whatever it is, billion people in the entire world. Like that's how early we are. And multiple people, like people have multiple wallets. So it's less than 500,000 people that are actually active. So if you know anything, you know yeah. a lot in comparison to most people in the world. Um, and most people that you hear talking with that assumed knowledge and language are like me and got here like five months ago or four months ago or three or whatever it is. Like you learn a lot very quickly in this space and the learning curve I wouldn't say it's not steep because there is, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but it's kind of like, once you get it, you get it. And then there's obviously always new things to learn, but all of us are experiencing those new things to learn. Like I couldn't tell you the first thing about Solana. Like I've got a phantom wallet and that's it. Like I've never actually done anything um, on that chain. And so it just goes to show you like there's things that, everyone needs to be learning every single day. So I just hate for people to come in to get overwhelmed, to think that it's like to the opportunity is gone and to, and to walk away when we just are so early and there's so much that all of us need to learn. So I like to say that to folks. Um, and then uh, just also saying to people that like, regardless of the industry that you come from, like the beauty of web three NFTs are a digital representation of like the technology, right? Like they just are the, the thing that we digest and the thing that has helped so many people understand the technology. Um, but like blockchain and smart contracts are what is really behind all this. And that technology has multitudes of use cases. And I truly believe that like, just like with what happened with web two and what happened with web one, every single industry will intersect with this new, I fucking hate the word frontier. I need to find a better one for that. But you know what I mean? Like this new world. And so that means if you're coming from any industry, you have a place here and you will be able to bring unique value and unique perspectives to this space, it may not be obvious at first, it may not even exist at first, which is a great opportunity for you to create. Um, but also just knowing that like, you've got a place here. Um, and so many people just have so many skills and perspectives and lived experiences that will help us in like the diversification of this space. And I just hope that everyone, you know, their first step in here is a welcoming one. And if it wasn't a welcoming one, um, fucking DM me. <laughs> My DMs are open and I will point you in the direction if I know it to a community that will welcome you. Um, and at least, if at very least, I might not know the answers, but I'll be able to find the answers for you because there's just so much for folks to bring. Um, and I never want somebody to feel like they don't belong. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I know, um, obviously there's some out there, but most people are willing, uh, just shoot a DM. Mine are always open. I know Hills are, um, 
our network, um, non-refungible network. This is what we're trying to do is just uh, create content for people um, that are newer to the space or, you know, even people that aren't just people that want to learn more and we're learning more every day. And so it's, it, it is really just, it's developing before our eyes and it's kind of crazy because like you said, there's so many untapped areas that, you know, stuff's coming out every day and there is a place for everyone and everyone, everybody needs everybody. It's like a big puzzle and to make it all work, we mm -hmm. need, we need each piece. So that, that is definitely the coolest part of the space. Yeah. It's super exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you know, we talked about some awesome topics. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. <laughs> I was a little bit all no, over no, I think so I'll, please forgive know, me for that, but doing, I'm being my authentic yeah, and self. <laughs> it, it's awesome, all the work you're doing, you know, for, um, you yes. know, minorities and women in this space, um, as well as all the mental health work. You know, it's, it's all very cool, very needed. Um, so, yeah, this is... I hope if, um, you know, anybody out there is listening, um, maybe consider starting to use your pronouns or using them more, or maybe just looking if people have theirs posted and, you know, following what they say, um, that could be a huge step in the right direction. Absolutely. Like it's so in the world of diversity and inclusion, like little steps make such a big difference. Like I, I'm always talking about that. Like pronouns are a great example. Language is another great example. Like one thing um, I've talked about is this idea of like the term whitelist, although it's not said with any um, sort of like malicious intent behind it, oftentimes language and words have historical context that is, you know, racist or, um, oppressive and it's like it, we know you're not saying it and it's very clear that folks are not saying it for the purpose that it used to be used for but that doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt people that doesn't mean that um, it, it should continue to be used and so it's like replace whitelist with pre-sale like it's not difficult it's not hard work to do and that can make a big difference for um, a big community, a, a beautiful example of that is I was on a Twitter space the other day and um, somebody went up on stage to this particular project. I'm trying to think what it is. It's Cool Man's Universe. Um, Ed Ball is like a, 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 sorry, Ed Ball. Ed Balloon is a, a big community leader in the space. And he got up and he was like, I love what y'all are doing. Um, I just keep hearing this term used, which is whitelist. I would love it to see if you just like switch it up and, and use something else. And literally the next day wrote, they wrote an announcement to their entire community, which now has total members, 17,000 people that like they've decided that they're going to change the name of the whitelist to like special special or something. <laughs> um, and that's a, a change that they're formally making. And that's what it will be this point forward. And here is, you know, the background on that term whitelist. And this is why we've decided to make that decision. Like, that's not hard. That's like one announcement and a few changes in, in communication materials. And that m makes a big difference to show to the community, particularly the black community that like you're listening and yeah, you didn't say it intentionally. So just change it up, do things differently. And like, we're here to listen to it. That's, 
such a big thing and it's not that difficult. That's awesome. It's it's really the small steps that, you know, are going to make the difference. And I think together as a community, we can keep making those. So it's all very cool. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, again, we're NF Queens. We're presented by Non-Refungible Network. You can find us on Twitter at NF Queens Podcast. And stay tuned for next week. See ya.